0: This is the Christian Life Center podcast. Here at CLC, we are messengers of hope, where we believe in taking God's message of hope everywhere we go to everyone we meet. From wherever you are, be encouraged by this week's message. Amen, amen. Who's coming out to New Year's Eve service? It's going to be a powerful night. Even for those that are watching um, online, I am Pastor Nadine. I'm one of the staff pastors here. Pastor Tom, our lead pastor, we have several campuses. And so, one of his things that's on his heart is to be able to visit all the campuses as a senior lead. Pastors to be able to you know touch those campuses and engage with their hearts and know the people of those campuses and they know him personally not just on a screen and so that's where he is this morning he's actually over at our coral springs campus bringing the word but pastor candy is here with us our first lady (laughs) i always feel good when she's here and he's not and i gotta preach um you know, <laughs> you know, I am um, honored to be able to bring the Word of God to you uh, today. Um, it's always a privilege, something that we never take for granted, to be an oracle, to be an orator, um, on the behalf of God. and we have to make sure that what we say line up with the truth of Scripture, not our opinions, not our feelings. But what the Word of God says, today I want to speak a message. I want to bring forth a message that I believe it's dear to all of us. It speaks to all of our lives. None of us will be exempt from today's message. And I pray that, yeah, you'll see the the revelation of it, but it also, I pray that it would encourage you that when you get to this place of life, if you are not in this place right now, but at least you'll have the tools to be able to utilize when you get to this place of life. You know, we're in the Christmas season and today's message is not a Christmas message. Let me just be upfront with you. I'm gonna take a character, a key character from the Christmas story and what she's gonna do for us, she's gonna springboard us into the message today. I want us to glance over Mary's life. She's a teenage girl who was invited to be the chosen vessel to carry the son of the living God, the Messiah. No doubt Mary had, she was raised up hearing about the Messiah. She was raised hearing that the king that was to come to save her people That on his throne, there will be no end. He will come through the line of David. From a little girl, she heard the message of the Messiah that would come. She never knew that it would come through her. Mary, as a little girl, didn't know that she would be the one to carry the one she had been hearing about. And here comes the the angel Gabriel to say to her, to give her an invitation to carry the Son of God. Mary gives, hallelujah, yes. Mary gives Gabriel an emphatic yes. So let it be done unto me. What an honor and a privilege, right? But that angel never told Mary what it would, she would go through to get to that place of birthing Jesus. We always hear about the magnitude of the blessing. We hear about the promise of the blessing, but no one tells us what we're going to have to go through to get there. Today, we're going to talk about that. Is that all right? Because we all need to hear it, church. No one tells Mary that while she's pregnant in the last trimester of her pregnancy she would have to travel miles and miles on a, on a on a on a camel or even by foot in the midst of of trying to to give birth to the son of god no one tells her that she would be running for her life from a wicked king no one tells her that on the day that she used to give birth, she's knocking on the door to get entrance, and they have no room for her in the inn. But I'm carrying the son of God. No one tells her so. You're not going to have entrance into this place. No one tells her that she will birth the son of God in a feeding trough for animals. Son of the living God. to understand the process that we will all go through to birth the promises God has placed inside of us. Y'all hearing me today? We all love to hear prophetic words over our lives, a word of blessings for our lives. But from time, from the time that word, from the time that word is given, is pronounced, and to the time it is fulfilled, There's a gap that I call the space between. The space between is the time that the vision or the promise is given and the time it is actually fulfilled. The space between is where you are now and where God is taking you. The space between is who you are and who God is inviting you to become. The gap between the time you prayed and how long it takes God to answer you. The space between these spaces can be difficult. I'm going to take this off. These spaces can be difficult. Sometimes it feels unbearable. It will challenge your faith church. It will challenge your faith in God. It will challenge your trust in God. It will challenge your dependence on God or yourself. The space between. We see countless people in the Bible that has experienced these spaces throughout their lives. It's not just Mary. Joseph, he experienced a 13-year space between the pit and the palace. In that 13-year space, he would be sold into slavery on an auction block. He would be falsely accused of attempted rape. And he would serve time in a prison cell. From the time the promise, the vision is given to him and the time he becomes second in command in Egypt, there's a space in between. And that space is difficult. I'm, good. I'm here to encourage somebody today. Because somebody right now is in that space. You've been praying. You've been toiling. God gave you a word and you don't see it. The space for David between the time he is anointed king in his father's Jesse's house and the time he is appointed king in Hebron as king oh, in Hebron. It's a 15 year journey. David is running for his life from King Saul. He's a fugitive and he's living in caves in the space between. How about Esther? The the space between her being an orphan girl to the place that she's now the deliverer of her people for such a time as this. The space between. We don't have time to talk about Ruth, Moses, Elisha, and so many others whose journey shows us that we will all go through space between where i am and where god is calling me to be seasons of discrepancy between what god said and what i'm seeing right now today's message is entitled the space between somebody say the space between this space is a season that will visit all of our lives And if we want to be honest, it will visit us on more than one occasions. It is uninvited. uninvited. We didn't ask for it to come. It is unwanted. Yet, how we handle this space, how we steward this space, how we posture our hearts in this space is key. Because it will directly impact the fruit on the other side of the space. Trust me. We're going to look through the life of a particular person in the Old Testament. His name is Jacob. I like Jacob. His life isn't perfect. His life has blemishes like yours and mine. His journey into God's destiny for his life is not a straight line. There's curves and bends dips and disappointments he's flawed like all of us and yet god will fulfill his purposes in this flawed man's life he comes from a family of faith but it's not personal it's cultural for jacob at this point just because you come from a family of faith doesn't exempt you from having to walk faith out for yourself there comes a time that you got to believe God for yourself, that you got to trust God for yourself, that you got to depend on God for yourself. Yes, others' people's faith can strengthen yours and encourage yours, but it's not mine. I got to have faith from my own faith journey, regardless of who has faith in my family. Can I get an amen? I want us to turn in our Bibles or click in our devices over to Genesis 28. But before we read the backstory of Jacob, I I, want to give you the backstory of Jacob. Jacob's name means deceiver, trickster, heel grabber. He is the son of Isaac, the grandson of Abraham. His twin brother is Esau. Rebecca was barren and Isaac, her husband, prays that God would open her womb and God blesses her womb and put two boys inside her womb. While pregnant with them, the, the the boys were tussling on the inside of her and she goes to God and says, what is happening on the side inside of me? And God says to her, two nations are in you. Two nations are in your womb, and the older will serve the younger. Jacob's brother Esau, he came out of the womb first, and Jacob came out second, grabbing the heel of his brother. Esau was red and hairy, a skillful hunter, and close to his father. Um, Jacob was smooth, quiet. He stayed among the tent with his mother. He was a mama's boy. One day when Esau was working in the fields, he became hungry. He was famished and he thought he would die. So he went to his brother for food and his brother, the trickster that he is, took advantage of his desperate situation. And he told his starving brother, if you will sell me your birthright and your inheritance, I will give you a bowl of stew. Foolish Esau Agrees. Never give up what you want most for what you want now. Temporary and immediate gratification can cost you lasting rewards. Y'all hearing that this morning? Years later, when Jacob's father was up in age and no longer able to see, Jacob's mother had him go into his father pretending to be his older brother Esau and he received his brother's blessing. We're not talking about any old blessing. I'm talking about a blessing over his destiny, over his lineage, speaking into his future, over his children that he hadn't even had yet. Once the blessing is pronounced, it cannot be undone. He pronounces the blessing over the wrong brother. Esau finds out and he's enraged with such anger. He wants to kill his brother. Jacob leaves in a hurry. He's running for his life from his brother Esau, heading to a land that he doesn't know. And here is where we pick up the story. We're going to read Genesis 28. Let me tell you this. Today's message, the the, the setup of today's message is a narrative. We're going to do a story narrative. I want us to look at the life of Jacob during the key aspect of his life. And we're going to see how Jacob's life speaks to ours. Genesis 28. I typically would have you stand, but I'm not going to do that for this because it's a lengthy passage. Genesis 28 verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba. Remember, he's on the run for his brother, from his brother. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. He came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put, he put it under his, his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed. And behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east. And to the north and to the south. And you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed through you. Behold I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. And will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. Says the Lord. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it and he was afraid and said how awesome is this place this is none other than the house of God and this is the gate of heaven so early in the morning Jacob took the stone that had been put under his head and he set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it he called the name of that place Bethel but the name of the city was Luz at first then Jacob made a vow saying if God will be with me And will keep me in this way that I go. And will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear. So that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord, then the Lord, then the Lord shall be my God. Do you hear the arrogance? And this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. Father in Jesus name. We thank you for your word. Speak to our hearts today God. Use your word as a lamp to our feet and light to our path. I pray that the word of God will be like seed sown into our hearts today. Let it take root and bear fruit. Not just 50 or 30, a hundredfold fruit. In Jesus name, God's people agreed and said, amen. amen and Amen. Jacob's story reminds us that God is with us In our seasons of difficulty, he's not absent. Jacob is on the run from his brother and he finds himself all alone with no possessions running toward an uncertain future. Yet even in this space of difficulty, God is not absent. Somebody's in this place and you're in a space of difficulty. I want to tell you those watching online, God is not absent. He meets Jacob and minister to him in this space. He visits him in a dream. He drops a ladder down from heaven and gives Jacob a word for his life. Jacob awakes and says, surely the Lord was in this place and I didn't even know it. God was right there with him, but Jacob didn't realize it. Why? Because sometimes we can allow our emotions, we can allow our frustrations, we can allow our anger and offense and regret to get in the way of us seeing that God is right there with you when you're crying out to him, where are you? He's right there in your midst. This taints our perspectives and blinds us from seeing that God is with us, leading and guiding us, developing us through the messy situations of life. But I don't feel like he's with me. God being with you is not a feeling. It is a fact. You just got to wrestle and settle that inside of me. It doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter what I see. The word tells me in so many scriptures that he will never leave me nor forsake. Oh, come on church. He says I am with you Genesis 28 15 says And will keep you wherever you go And will bring you back to this land For I will not leave you Until I have done what I have promised you Look what he said through the prophet Isaiah Isaiah 42 verses 2 to 3 When you pass through the waters I will be with you When you pass through the rivers They will not sweep over you When you walk through the fire You will not be burned The flames will not set you ablaze For I am the Lord your God God, the Holy One of Israel, the Savior of your life. Can somebody say amen? Amen. He's not leaving you, church. He's right there with you. We can trust God in the mountaintops as well as in the valley lows. He is still with us. We serve a God who's greater than the seasons we're in. That's the God we serve. But secondly, God not only sees where we are now, he sees where he is taking us. Here's what he told Jacob, Genesis 28, 13 through 15. This is God speaking to Jacob in his mess. I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you. He's running. He's a fugitive. He's running for his life. God says, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. He has no kids. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you. I will keep you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. God is being very clear. Jacob, I have your life in my hands. It's not your doing, Jacob. Is what I'm going to do in your life. There is no uncertainty in those verses that we just read. God was being emphatic with his intentions, regardless of the season Jacob found himself in. It is the same with us. Where you are now is not your final destination. This too shall It shall pass. God takes us from glory to glory, from faith to faith, and from strength to strength. God showed up in this difficult space where Jacob had a rock as a pillow. I don't know if you've ever been there, church, where your season felt rocks all around you. Where you look before you and you see rocks. Around you, you see rocks. And you don't see how God is going to turn this situation around. I'm so glad God is not like man. I'm so glad that we serve a God who says, With him, all things are possible. There is nothing that he cannot do. And yet Jacob still didn't get it. When God is leading us into what he has for us, He must deal with us. The biggest antagonist to Jacob walking in his destiny is Jacob. He doesn't get the assignment, he doesn't understand the weight of the glory of what he was carrying. His situation, his circumstances was blinding him from understanding that he would one day be the father of nations. This is what Jacob is going through. He responds to God out of his arrogance. He responds to God out of his ego. Here's how he responds to God over a blessing that God just pronounced over his life. He says, if God will be with me, And will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food and will give me clothes to wear so that I, you hear this? Return safely to my father's house. Then the Lord, then you will be my God. In other words, if you do this for me, then and only then will I serve you. No, 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 Jacob. You see, because serving God is not for God. Serving God is for you. It's a privilege. It is an honor that we get to serve the God most high. Jacob was full of himself, and he thought he was doing God a favor. But God will show Jacob that pride and arrogance have no business being in a person who's called and destined for glory. Can I get an amen? God will soon humble Jacob because God has to do in us. He has to do a work in us to handle where he's taken us so that when we step into the destiny, we don't mismanage it. We don't mishandle it. In other words, God has to do a work on the inside of me. God has to prepare me for what he has for me. You see, many times we can't handle the promise that's on our lives. We, Our minds can't wrap around the destiny that God has for us. We're praying prayers that we're not ready for. Our mind is not at the level of the blessing. Our hearts are not mature enough to handle our anointing. Our immaturity can't steward the mantle and the assignment upon our lives. So God got to allow the space between. This clock is running down and I'm barely getting warmed up, Amber. The space between is not against you. Is for you. Huh. We're going to look at this today. Jacob was focused on the blessings. Listen, what he's telling God about food and clothes. God said, Nations are in you. Your offspring are going to be like the dust of the earth. Kings are going to come from you, Jacob. And you're telling me about clothes and food? Did you not hear what I pronounced over you? He didn't get it. You see, the place where God is desiring to take us is not about a place of tangible blessing. It's about transformation. We think it's about the house and the car. I just want that job, God. Give me that promotion. God said, I want to transform you. You're talking to me about promotions this is small in comparison to what I have for you but you're not ready to handle the level of the blessing I want to take you to that people of God is what God is after we are after the blessing while God is after our transformation sometimes God doesn't change our situation because he wants to change me through the situation We're praying about the situation. We're praying about the circumstance. And God is saying, I want to deal with you. You're talking to me about this. And I'm talking to you about your heart. I'm talking to you about your perspective. God will lead Jacob on a 20-year season. 20 years to develop Jacob for what he had for Jacob. He served his uncle Laban for those 20 years being treated unfairly by a seasoned deceiver and trickster. If Jacob thought he was a trickster, you know, you always meet your match at some point in life. If Jacob thought he was a trickster, he hadn't met his uncle Laban yet. That man tricked him out of 14 years of his life. Master deceiver yet even in all of that, oh gosh, church, no season is a wasted season with God. In my space between, God is using that season on my behalf. My Boston family is in the house. Can y'all give it up for my Boston family? No season is a wasted season with God no season that we go through life in hinders God from stepping in and meeting us there but what about my illness no season is a wasted season with God. What about my lack? What about my hardship? What about my family turmoil? No season is a wasted season with God. Whatever you are facing, I wanna tell you church, God is greater still. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think. Can somebody say amen? God is able to show up in our seasons of life and use it and transform it and turn it on our behalf. Let me tell you something, church. In this season of between that Jacob is in, you're going to see that God multiplies him. He's not experienced the full promise yet, but along the way, God is doing a work on the inside of Jacob. God is doing a transformational work. You see, he thought it was about clothes and food. God said it's about destiny. Somebody in here needs to hear that today. Somebody online needs to hear that today. It's about your destiny. This ain't about clothes and cars. That's temporary stuff. My time is running down. I got to get to this. He obtains wives and children and cows and camels and goats and bulls and rams and the list goes on. Not only does God multiply Jacob in this season, but God moves Jacob one step closer to something greater than his possessions. He moves him closer to his destiny. Listen, church, this is what it's about. It's not about your inheritance of possessions. And I know we have all sorts of people in this room and online watching. It ain't about that. It's not about your wealth, your cattle, your clothes, your home, your land. Jacob is about to step into what was spoken over him from his mother's womb. Two nations are in you, Rebecca, and the older will serve the younger. It's about destiny. It's about what was spoken coming to reality. Hear the blessing that Jacob's father has pronounced over him. Remember, you know, Esau is trying to kill him and you're like, well, why is he taking it so serious? Let me tell you why Esau is trying to kill him. This is the blessing that was supposed to be for Esau that went to Jacob. You want to hear what what Isaac said over Jacob that he was supposed to say over Esau? May God give you the dew of heaven. And the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. He's speaking about prosperity, multiplication, and wealth. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Influence. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow to you. Leadership. Curse be everyone who curses you. And blessed be everyone who blesses you. Protection. And you're talking to me about clothes? Did you hear that blessing? that's destiny. And that is what was spoken over him. Here's what God said to Jacob at his second encounter, Genesis 35, 11 to 12. And we're going to talk about the space between this. Okay. So Genesis 35, Jacob encounters God for the second time. And God said to him, I am God almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you. The kings and kings shall come from your own body. The land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I will give to you. And I will give the land to your offspring. Jacob had to walk through the space between to allow himself to be prepared for that destiny. He had to get the right heart, church. And the right mindset And the right perspective to handle that level of destiny so that God's word can come to pass. And it sure did. Every word that God spoke over his life actually came to pass. I just wonder in this room and online what you're carrying. I wonder what God has placed on the inside of you that you don't even realize yet. I wonder what God has spoken over you concerning your destiny. I wonder the the impact you're supposed to have on your family line. I wonder if you're supposed to upset some generational curses over your bloodline. What has God spoken concerning you? Let me tell you something about destiny. Destiny is always connected to somebody else. Your destiny is never just about you. How do we know that Elisha and Elijah, Ruth and Naomi, Esther and Mordecai, Joseph, Moses and Joshua, Esther touched nations because she stepped into her destiny. Joseph touched nations because he stepped into his destiny and so did Moses and so did Joshua. Your destiny is never just about you. I wonder what you're carrying I wonder what God has placed inside of you and you're allowing this space in between to disrupt it. You know one of the greatest disruptions of destiny? Offense. If Joseph would have harbored offense in his heart after his brother sold him into slavery, left him for dead, and now he steps into the second most powerful position in the land and now those same brothers are standing before him if destiny would have in, would have been in them Joseph could have taken out 11 of the 12 tribes of Israel one of which the son of God had to come through offense I remember when I first I got out of prison and I And I was, I don't even have time to tell this story, but y'all know how I do, right? (laughs) I was, uh, just came out of prison. I didn't have any proper clothing, you know? (laughs) Humble beginnings. And I started going to this church and I started serving in the church. And they called me to the side and said, you can't serve here. And I said, why? You're not dressed right. I didn't have the clothes. I didn't have the money. I was going through the thrift stores trying to get the proper clothes to serve in the church. And the enemy came and whispered church. You don't need it. You don't need no church. You don't need to serve in any church. Forget them. And I'm trying to push past the whispers. But I'm telling you offense will follow you to sleep. And you'll get up and it'll still be percolating in your heart and in your mind. And the enemy was saying to me, walk away. They don't want you anyway. And I said, God, I don't have the I don't have the clothes. Why are they doing this to me? And I went and I I went to this, I don't even know the name of this thrift store. And I told, I was crying and the lady came to me and I told her what happened. And she gave me all these clothes. For free. (laughs) (laughs) Offense. Offense. Will disrupt destiny if you let it. It will cause the enemy to take you out of the path that God has for you. I thank God that he shows up when the enemy is whispering. God is leading. God is guiding. God is placing a woman in a thrift store. To block what the enemy is trying to do you know i just wasted like 5 minutes of telling that story in these spaces god meets us to transform us and he uses hard walls of the seasons to press in on us and to push out what doesn't belong so that he can put in what does belong what's that him his will his ways his perspectives, the fruit of his spirit. So you can have the right heart to steward the seasons that he allows to come into your life, into my life. God has not forgotten you. I want somebody to know that God sees you. His eyes are on you. His promises are still for you. Fate not for you will see like Jacob in due season. You will reap if you faint not, if you don't allow offense to get in the way, if you don't allow bitterness, your rights, I have a right to this and they shouldn't, and maybe they shouldn't say that, but are you going to let that allow the corrosion to come into your heart? I'm going to tell you this much. God cannot use an offended heart. You will block his heart from coming through. You've got to yield and surrender, but that's a different, that's, that's a pastor candy kind of message. What are some takeaways? Okay, what are some takeaways that will serve us when we face our space between? God has a plan for you even when you can't see it. Okay, remember that. God has a plan for you even when you can't see it. Genesis 28 14, God comes and he confirms his word over Jacob. I'm not going to read it, I read it like two times already. We can see, though, that even when Jacob didn't understand what he carried, God was still leading him through his arrogance, his ego, his lack of understanding. We serve such a merciful God, church. He sees that we're just dust. He sees that, you know, I don't get it. I don't know if you get it. Sometimes I don't get what's on my life. I don't get people come and they prophesy and they say these words to me. I'm like, oh, wow, really? We don't get it. And he leads us even in our lack of understanding as long as our hearts are postured toward him. You know, his plans for us are sure. God reminds us in Jeremiah 29, 11, that he knows the plans that he has for us to give us a hope and a future. No matter who you are, God has a plan for you. No matter where you've been, no matter what has happened, he said according to Ephesians 2.10, before the foundations of the earth, he created good works for you to walk in them. That's our God. You're not an accident. Doesn't matter. Well, you don't know how I was born. You are not an accident. You are created on purpose, with purpose, for a purpose. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Before he was born, God says this about Jeremiah. You were created with intentional purposes from God. And he will use even the difficult spaces in our lives to get us to destiny. Okay, another takeaway. God will humble you before he uses you. Jacob was a man who used people to further his ends. Throughout the early life of Jacob, you saw what he was. He was a trickster. He tried to get the blessings of God using his own devices. He took advantage of his brother by selling him stew, and he he tricked and deceived his father and his old age. But God will humble Jacob for 20 years of his life. This is what Jacob said towards the end to to Laban, his uncle who tricked him majorly. He said, I've been in your house 20 years. I served you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flock. You changed my wages 10 times. Unless the God of my father, the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac had been with me. Surely now you would have sent me away empty handed. God has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands, Genesis 31, 41 to 42. This statement is a testament, testament to the development of Jacob's character. Jacob attributes his successful life to God. He considers God as the judge between him and Laban. He's saying, I'm not gonna take vengeance, I'm gonna leave that to God. We see more of Jacob's transformation over in Genesis 32. Here he is scared and fearful, about to face his brother for the first time. He's leaving his uncle's house, and now he's going back home, and he's sending all these gifts. He hears his brother is coming towards him, and he's sending him all these gifts before him to soften his brother's heart, even though he knows the older will serve the younger. He's not standing in that. He's standing in humility. Here's what he says to God in Genesis 32:10. He said, "I am unworthy." Of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown me. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan. But now I have become two camps. Jacob understands that he is not entitled to God's mercy. Just because he starts following God. Just because you're tithing. Just because you're going to church. Just because you're serving. It doesn't mean that it puts you in a position to demand God's mercy On your life. God's mercy is a gift. His grace is a gift. And we need to adore him. For lavishing his grace and his mercy. Upon us. He realizes that no matter what. He is undeserving. Of God's goodness. I can attest to that. I am undeserving. Of the goodness of God. In my life. I can tell you church where God brought me from to where I am, I shouldn't be here. The life that I came from, the circumstances that I've been in, the things that I've done, but it's the mercy of God. The goodness of God. Oh, but it's no, you went to school, you got the knowledge. No, it's only, but if not for the grace of God, where would we be? Yes today like jacob we must also realize that we are nothing apart from god jesus said i am the vine and you are the branches and apart from me you can do nothing god is the source of our true blessings in life apart from him Everything else is misery. Jacob went through life trying to get blessings on his own merit, trying to grab at heels, trying to be first on his own strength, get ahead on his own account. But we must recognize that we are completely dependent on God's goodness and his mercy in our lives. Can somebody say amen? It's imperative for us to become humble and see how insignificant we are. Without God's grace and mercy and love, man plans his way, but God determines his steps. I don't know about you, but I want God determining my steps. I want God leading the way in my life, but God must humble us because what's inside of us is bigger than us. And we must have the right heart to be able to steward what we carry. Okay, I'm closing out, I promise. God meets us in our perseverance. Whoo, Lord. Last week, we talked about persevering hope. Some of y'all remember that. Persevere means energetic resistance, steadfastness under pressure, endurance in the face of trials, to persist, withstand, and patiently bear up under, to continue in a course of action, even in the face of difficulty, no matter the odds. On his way back to his father's house, Jacob is left alone. He sends his family ahead of him and he's all alone. And sometimes that's the best time for God to meet us It's not in a service like this, even though he can, but sometimes it's just when you're all alone. I remember when I first met God, I was alone in a prison cell. The cell didn't stop God from invading my circumstance. Sometimes we just need to get alone with God and wrestle through some things. On his way back, the Bible says that he meets and encounters an angel. Scholars, biblical scholars believe this was a theophany. A theophany is when uh, the pre-incarnate Christ is um, is uh, um, indicated in scripture. And so in Genesis 32, 24, it says that a man wrestled with him, Jacob, until the breaking of day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him in verse 25 this heavenly being could have easily overpowered Jacob however the point of the whole wrestling match is not about who will win but to test of Jacob's perseverance Jacob is wrestling for a blessing because he realizes that he can't continue to rely on his own ability and his own wit to get the blessings of God. He wrestles through the pain of a broken hip. And I'm telling you, sometimes in this space in between, you're going to have to wrestle through pain. To get through the other side, he wrestles with tears and desperation. Hosea 12, 3 says, in the womb, he took hold of his brother's heel. And in his manhood, he strove with God. He strove with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought his favor. He met God at Bethel and there God spoke. Finally, when the day was dawning, the scripture says, the angel said to Jacob, let me go. And Jacob responded, I will not let you go unless You bless me I have a broken hip, but I'm not letting you go Unless you bless me that is perseverance you want to walk in destiny Then you must persevere through the seasons of life through the gaps of life through the issues of life through the space in Between you have to be able to get to a place church where you say God. I'm not letting you go. I'm offended, yes. They told me I'm not dressed right, yes. But I'm not letting you go. I'm going to hold on to you. No matter what season I'm in, I'm not, listen, some of you just got to say that. It doesn't matter the illness. It doesn't matter the sickness. I'm not letting go of God. I've been holding on to stuff for too long. I'm trying to let go of God. My blessing is in him. I'm holding on to his power. I'm not, I'm letting go of things and holding on to God. I'm not holding on to status. I'm not holding on to wealth. I'm not holding on to education. I'm holding on to God. I'm I'm not holding on to my past I'm not holding on to my failures I'm not holding on to what they said and what they did I'm holding on to God Jacob said I will not let you go until you bless me whoever this is for don't give up whoever is going through a season between a space between don't Give up. On the other side of your perseverance is destiny. <laughs> God's not through with you. This is just a space. Persevere through it. Okay, final point. God will bless who you are, not who you pretend to be. Listen, church. Of all the points, this is the key point. God will bless who you are, not who you pretend to be. When Jacob was was wrestling with the angel, he's wrestling for one thing. The last thing that God had to work on in Jacob, I'm going to tell you, church, this is it. He had to work on his identity. Hmm. Identity is more than where I was born. It's more than my culture or the family I was born in. Can I say this much? Y'all gonna stone me for this, but it's okay. Identity is more than my race. Hmm. Identity is who God says I am. It's not just you knowing that, it's you believing that. Identity will impact your decisions. It will impact what you allow and what you don't allow in your life. Identity informs what you say yes to and what you say no to in life. Identity will inform the compromises you are not willing to make. Identity. During Jacob's wrestle with the angel, the angel asked Jacob, what's your name? Jacob responds, I am Jacob. This is significant because 20 years ago, he had somebody ask him the same question. His father, Isaac, asked him, who are you? To which Jacob lied and said, I am Esau. Full circle. You're going to have to meet and deal with you before you step into what God has for you. He lied and said he was Esau. He was dressed in Esau's hair, wearing Esau's scent. He was a counterfeit, a pretender, wearing a mask. He was a pretense. He received Esau blessing, but lost himself. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his very soul? But this time, Jacob comes to terms about who he is. The angel knew who he was. The question is, did Jacob know who he was? He told the angel, my name is Jacob. It means deceiver, trickster, heel grabber, always trying to be first. I'm Jacob. I'm not Esau. I'm just plain old Jacob. I come before you this time. No mask, no pretense, just Jacob. The angel responded, your name will no longer be Jacob. You will no longer be a trickster, a deceiver, a heel grabber. For you have wrestled with God and man and have overcome. Your name is now Israel. What does Israel mean? Triumphant with God come on somebody I don't know about you but I want to be Israel I don't want to be Jacob I don't want to be who I used to be I am a new creation in Christ Jesus all things are passed away I am Israel he says, you're Israel, the God wrestler, triumphant with God. When God changes a person's name in scripture, it is significant. It signifies a changing in one's trajectory of life. Name change by God is linked to one's calling, one's destiny, and one's purpose. How do we know? Abram to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah, Paul, Saul to Paul, Peter to Cephas, and here we have Jacob to Israel. Once Jacob was honest enough to give his real name, God was able to give him a new one. God cannot bless who you pretend to be, He can't bless David wearing Saul's armor. Come on, somebody, you got to go before God, naked and unashamed, pure and stand before him. God affirms Jacob's call in first nine of chapter 45. And he said to him, your name is Jacob. No longer shall you be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. An entire nation is named after him. The 12 tribes of Israel. Each of those tribes is one of Jacob's sons. Nations are in you, Jacob. Kings are inside of you. And here you hear them talk about in the book of Revelation, the 12 tribes of Israel. Aren't you glad that he doesn't call you who you used to be? Aren't you glad that he doesn't call you by what they did, by what they said, by what happened to you, but he calls you who you are in Christ? He calls you blessed. He calls you holy. He calls you beloved. He calls you redeemed. He calls you free. He calls you delivered. He calls you righteous. He calls you chosen. He calls you forgiven. He calls you sons. We serve. We serve of a new beginning all things are passed away and all things have become new listen Second Corinthians 5 17 says if any man be in Christ he's a new creation the old thing has gone Jacob the new thing has come Israel in Christ we put to death Jacob and we come alive as Israel redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ but get this okay I'm closing I'm closing Get this. Y'all want to hear the juicy part? The one who didn't know God, remember he didn't know God in the beginning? He himself comes to be known by God. Intimacy, personal faith for himself. Listen what God says about Jacob. Many years later, Jacob' Jacob's descendants are in captivity. Y'all can remain standing. I'm closing. This will help me close, okay? Many years later... Jacob's descendants are in captivity. I'm telling you, the one who didn't know God is now known by God, okay? His descendants are in captivity. Moses is sent to deliver them. And Moses said to God, who shall I say sent me? God said, I am who I am. Then in Exodus 3.15, God is describing who is sending Moses. He said to Moses, and say to the children of Israel, to the Israelite, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God... Of Jacob the one who didn't know God before becomes known by God now God describes himself as Jacob's God that's my son that's my son does God know you as his son and as his daughter can God says that my child can God put his name and stamp his name across you let me tell you something church this is about destiny this is about you walking and fulfilling God's purposes on your life the one who was triumphant with God the one who was humbled himself under the shadow of the almighty the one who stopped leaning on his own understanding but started to walk in the path of God God's that's my son and that's my daughter can somebody can somebody shout amen listen don't allow offense to to rob you of your destiny I'm this is not even in my notes. Don't allow it, offense to rob you of a destiny. Let me tell you something. Your destiny will get opposition. It's a done deal. Just know that. The enemy will oppose your destiny. You think, oh, I'm just going through this for no... mm he's a schemer. And he will come and he will oppose your destiny so that you would forfeit it. Y'all hearing me? Here's the things I want you to be careful of when walking in the space between. Offense. Be careful of offense. Remain faithful in the season that you're in. Keep your heart on God. Keep doing what you're doing with a heart that is upright towards God. Whatever you're doing, bring God into it. Don't think that you're doing it with your own strength, with your own ability, on your own accord. No, God, I need you. I'm depending on you. I'm looking to you. I lean on you, Lord God. Is this the way? Show me the way. I don't want to do my own anymore. I don't want to grab heels. I want to grab a hold of you and wrestle for the blessing. Be faithful. Walk out your faith journey. Stay in the word. It's not a feeling. It's a fact. Stay in the word of God's truths for your life. And I'm going to tell you a danger one. Be careful of impatience. God's taken too long. Isn't that what caused Abraham, Sarah, Jacob's grandparents to birth Ishmael? They got impatient with God. God knows how long this space in between needs to be for you and for me. For us, it'll look different. Everyone has a space in the limit. There's a time limit to the space in between. There is an expiration date to the space in between. Don't get impatient. Let God do his work in you so that he can prepare you for what he has already prepared for you. So when you step into it, you're ready to steward what God has for you. Amen.